Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So do you remember the kid who caddied for us? Yeah, that kid was a punk. I said, that <laughs> kid was Grayson Sig. That kid caddied for us. How great is he that? He had won. He told us he had just won the state title. In, it was either South Carolina. State Valley was in South Carolina. South Carolina or Georgia. And he was going to go to Georgia. And he'd washed out of Norby's mind completely. He didn't like us at, at all. He would say, can I borrow your club? We'd hit a bad shot. And he'd say, this is how you hit it. And he would hit it 130 yards onto the green. And I hated him. I hated him. <laughs> He's 18 years old. This is General George Washington. And you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Nigel is struggling going through the emails because there's something about Grace and Sig that he wants me to read. Oh, it's... It's a haiku for Grace and Sig from Shed. A hell of a golfer, a contemptuous caddy. That's two compliments. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, now root, I root for Grace and Sig all the time. Sure. Uh, so let me, let me just start today. I mean, I want to talk about Charlie Watts, obviously, the late great drummer of the Rolling Stones. But Nigel brought this over today. This is from Michelle Thompson. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Hello, my name is Michelle, co-owner of Girls Throw 2, T-O-O. We have a cornhole podcast. That See, that would be the key <laughs> phrase right there. We have a cornhole podcast and would love to be a guest on your podcast if you'll have us. Cornhole is rapidly growing and even, be, even being featured on CBS and ESPN. We are just two girls in love with cornhole. Warmly, Michelle. Okay. There is a game called cornhole. There is a game called pickleball. I don't care about either of them. I read today that Jack Nicholas played pickleball and basically broke all the bones in his body when he <laughs> fell down at his age. Uh, cornhole is <clears throat> that thing you throw a beanbag. Beanbag toss. Yeah, yeah, you throw yeah, a beanbag in the yard a game. Yeah. Tailgate you know, game. Yeah, yeah. Great tailgate game. <clears throat> yes. Great. Love it. I, I just can't see bringing them on this podcast to talk about their podcast. Don't want to talk about blocks. There is, <laughs> there is, there seems to be among straight swooshes Come in on, the man. blog podcast universe. There seems to be this unwritten rule that we all help each other and we all put each other on. No, <laughs> no. I mean, well, I they, wish are they you, part of the Playtone Empire. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll have to ask Tom Hanks. I. I wish you all the luck in the world. Absolutely. And I love the name Girls Throw 2. Yeah. I love it. But what are you going to do on this podcast? And then, and then you're going to say, and come on our podcast. And I'm not going to do that. No, probably not. I'm not going to go on your podcast because I don't know anything about cornholing. And, and beyond that, beyond that, I, it, it does me no good. It does me absolutely no good. You have no idea how many people I have to do one tonight. And this is a favor for, you know, Harvey Stanger, president of Binghamton. Oh, sure. There's a kid from Binghamton who wants to get it into sports broadcasting. I'm going to call this kid tonight. His name is Sam. I'm going to call this kid tonight. He's going to, he's already written me to say that he, you know, sort of get some help on how I got into broadcasting. Well, the truth of the matter is, I got to know. I was sitting down in a room, and Wilbon said they want to put us on television. And I said, "What? Us? What?" That's how I got into it. Yeah. I didn't go to the Columbia Broadcast School. I didn't go to Syracuse and major in broadcast. I didn't broadcast anything. I think I was did color for one year on the Harper College basketball team. I think I did that. Let's find the tape. I think Al Frank was the play-by-play -play guy, Alan Frank, and I did the color, and I probably did six or seven games. And I stunk. <laughs> and as, boom goes the dynamite. Yeah, and I stunk. <laughs> so I, I don't know anything. Anyway, so I, I wish these girls yes. all the luck in the world. Yes, we love the enthusiasm. Nigel did this deliberately. He gave it to me and said, I think I know your answer beforehand. And my answer is always no. So Nigel, yes. when, are, when are you going on the Cornhole yeah, Why don't you go on? Why don't you represent us? Yes, I'll be appearing all week, I think, on... Uh, do you represent us? Girls Love to Throw. So let me get to uh, Girls Throw 2. Girls Throw 2, I'm sorry. Girls Throw 2. It's a great right. name. It is a fantastic great name. And again, I wish them all luck in the world. I'm just and not I have seen... Occasionally, you look up on ESPN, and I don't know. Yes, it's, it's on. Just, yeah, it's, I don't it's know, on ESPN five. Oh, it's, it's on, on all the time. It's not on the Ocho. It, no, it doesn't get to that. <laughs> no, it's on all the time. Right, and I, it, I'm not denigrating it. I'm saying it's uh, just not for you. It's not for me. Right, like pumpkins. <laughs> They're not for me. I hate pumpkins. Like watermelon. They're not for me. I hate watermelon. Did you see that Starbucks has has released the uh, the pumpkin spice latte? PSL. Again? Yes. Yeah. PSL season. Very exciting time of year. Well, let me get to Charlie Watts. <laughs> Charlie Watts was the only drummer in the history of the Rolling Stones. Charlie Watts died yesterday at 80 years old. 
Charlie Watts was one of five original Rolling Stones members. The five Rolling Stones members, I'm not going to go into the rascals, don't worry about it. Charlie Watts was the drummer. Brian Jones was a guitarist. Bill Wyman was a bass guitarist. And, of course, Mick Jagger and Keith Richard. Keith Richard and Mick Jagger are the only two remaining playing with the Rolling Stones. Bill Wyman is still alive. He is 85 years old. Brian Jones we lost very early in the game, and he was replaced once by Mick Taylor and then by Ron Wood, and that's been the Rolling Stones for a long time. <sighs> Charlie Watts, I, I am not in a position to say if Charlie Watts was a good drummer, a bad drummer, or a great drummer. I don't know that. I'm tone deaf. I tried to learn how to play the piano. I can't sing. I was a rock and roll critic, but it doesn't mean I know anything about the playing of music. So I won't... I've read that everybody said he was a great drummer. I know that he was a jazz drummer, that his heart was as a jazz drummer. And in a way, it's sort of like uh, the, the kid in that thing you do, that he becomes a rock and roll drummer, but it's not really what he wants to do. He wants to be a jazz drummer. And I think Charlie Watts always wanted to do that. And I think that he probably took leaves here and there from the Rolling Stones to do that. That's what he liked to do. But the Rolling Stones, see, you cannot... Well, let me get to the A1 thing. There's a key on A1. There's a picture on A1, and the obituary does not start on A1. And I'm doing this for Jeannie more than anyone else. That's okay. That's okay. If Mick Jagger dies, that's if Keith Richard dies, if they're not on A1, that's a different story. Charlie Watts doesn't have to be on A1. It's okay. Now, you cannot mention the Rolling Stones without mentioning the Beatles. You cannot do it. It, it's, it's that simple. You can't mention Willie Mays without Mickey Mantle. It's just, that's the way it goes. You got to learn to live with that. The Rolling Stones are the best rock and roll band of all time. The best garage band, the rock and roll band. The people that say it's the who, you're wrong. I Don't even talk to me about it. It's the Rolling Stones. They're the best. The Beatles were not a rock and roll band. The Beatles were an idea. The, the Beatles were constantly changing. Rolling Stones changed because the Beatles changed. Everything the Beatles did, the Rolling Stones copied. They didn't do it as well, but they did it great. Mick Jagger wrote the same song 200 times. It's a great song. And it starts with a drum beat. This is different than the Beatles. The Beatles are not driven by drums. They're not. The Rolling Stones, just take any old song. Take Get Off My Cloud. Listen to the beginning of Get Off My Cloud. It's just a drum beat. That's what they did. Their greatest songs are drum songs, not drum solos. That's not what I'm talking about. No, they are driven because they're a rock and roll band. They're driven by drums. That's how it works. Beatles, not a rock and roll band. Mick Jagger is the greatest performer I've ever seen. He is. Nobody's called him a genius. They're not going to call him a genius. Lennon and McCartney together that was genius. It doesn't mean that one is or both is. It means that together, that was genius. The Beatles, it's like you're in college or even high school, and, and there's these two kids who are really, really smart. They're really smart. And, you know, you just say to yourself, well, they can't play basketball. Well, they can't play baseball. Well, you know, they're really smart, but they can't do this. But they can do this. What you find out is that as smart as they are, they can sing and they can play and they can write. And again, every time the Beatles did something, it, it changed the way the music was appreciated. And the Rolling Stones weren't stupid. Mick Jagger's really, really smart. Michael Philip Jagger. I liked him so much, I used the name. Mick Jagger's really, really smart, but he also was smart enough to see that these other two guys, every time they did something different, he said, well, why don't we try that too? Why don't we try that too? You know, if they did a concept album, the Rolling Stones did a concept album. If they, whatever they did, the Rolling Stones did it the next day. And it was awfully good, but it wasn't as good as the Beatles. And yet they are fantastic to watch. I never got the chance to see the Beatles live. Seen Paul McCartney live. Never got the chance to see the Beatles live. Saw the Rolling Stones a bunch of times. It's always great. It's always great. And again, Jagger's a fantastic entertainer. Um, but that band is not the Beatles. And you, you just cannot... Sad but true. 
You, you, you cannot write. You can't mention one. If you're my age, you can't mention one without the other. I mean, oh, absolutely. You just can't do it. So Charlie Watts is a wonderful drummer. You should read the obituaries. There's apparently in one of the obituaries, I think by Matt Schutel in the, in the Washington Post today, uh, that Keith Richard told a story in a book of Mick Jagger being drunk or something. And by the way, all of these obituaries, all of these obituaries always say, and then there was that period of time when he became a drug addict and an alcoholic. <laughs> everybody, yeah. Yeah. everybody who, and they have, and, and I'm adding parenthetically, and they've lived so long. They've lived so long. And they were all drug addicts and alcoholics. And apparently Jagger was, said, where's my drummer? Get me my drummer. And Charlie Watts, who liked to uh, dress very well, he liked to, you know, he was Carnaby Street kind of guy in tweed suits, came in, says, don't ever call me your drummer, and punched Jagger in the head, <laughs> knocked him out, and he almost fell into the canal in Amsterdam. It's a great, did you read that story? Yes. It's a wonderful story. Wasn't he a takeaway from that that said, basically, just don't annoy me? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and, and Charlie Watts, you know, again, the only drummer they've ever had. I did have the great pleasure. I, I'm in a picture, and it looks like I photobombed the picture. But I'm in a picture with the Rolling Stones, because the Rolling Stones, for reasons unknown to me, well, not unknown to me, they were going to play at FedEx Field. And part of the deal was, Michael, go get it. Show it to Nigel. Part of the deal was that um, Dan Snyder said he wanted to meet them. And he invited them to a, a, a red, I can't say that word anymore, a Washington football team game. Mm -hmm. And they showed up and they met Dan Snyder and he gave them all, you know, shirts, uniform shirts and stuff like that. Here's the picture for those watching on News Channel 8. <laughs> See Charlie Watts holding a, a helmet and holding a jersey. Dad peaky, good for fun. And then I'm in the back. <laughs> Photoshop. Definitely photoshopped in. No, I'm in the back. I was there. So I met them all. And what, what I remember most about meeting them, and particularly Charlie Watts, they're small. They're small and thin. They're not 5'11", 6 feet, 6'1". They're 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and they're thin. And that's probably because they were heroin addicts at one point, that's which right. every obituary will say. Yes. You know. So, I mean, I want a proper send-off. Charlie Watts was real. They're great. They're great. I mean, the, what's the best rock? Everybody's got what we think is the best rock and roll song ever. But I'll tell you, it's Let's Spend the Night Together. In terms of rock and roll, that's the best rock and roll song ever. It's not my favorite song. But it's the best rock and roll song ever. The Beatles, the, well, She Loves You might be right there. But again, what the, the Beatles were always changing, and the Rolling Stones were forced to change as a result of that, and did it great. They did it great, but they weren't the Beatles. Have I strayed from the path here too much? No, I think that's a, a very eloquent way of talking about Charlie Watson and, and who the Stones were, because I think you know, there's always, oh, the Beatles, the greatest band ever, but there's a difference between being the greatest rock and roll that's band. That's they, I almost feel like Paul and John you know, were, were artists. You know? they, they were. And, and they were fantastic musicians, obviously, but when you want a good rock and roll song from no, that era, they're, they're, it's the Stones. Yeah, they're Matisse and Van Gogh. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Every single thing they did, they left behind them and did something new the next time. Yeah. And everybody saw it, and everybody said, wow, look at that. So when Paul McCartney says that God Only Knows is the greatest song he's ever heard, if you're Brian Wilson, you're dining out on that for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Because when... And I'm not going to say this just about McCartney or just about Lennon. When they were together, every single thing they did was new and fresh and original and brilliant, other than Michelle. It was, you know, it's great. So, like, when they, start, when they did a slow song, that's when Mick Jagger would do Ruby Tuesday. Right. I mean, that, I mean Mick Jagger was smart enough to read the tea leaves. He understood it. And he said, well, if they can do it, let's try it. And it was always really, really good. Yeah. It was always really, really good. So, and, and again, if you had the chance, if you've never seen the Rolling Stones, who knows if they'll ever play again? Well, they're touring right now, I think. Really? Yes, because... Uh, who are they going to... Why don't... They should get Ringo's kid to be the drummer. Oh, Zach Starkey, they yeah. They should get him to be the drummer. Well, there was news, because they were leaving for the... I guess it's the American tour, um... And they announced, really? they said, they're, this they're 80. Yeah. And they, but they announced this a couple of weeks ago, the uh, Charlie Watts can't make it. He's, uh, he's taken ill. Right. And obviously this is, you know, Charlie uh, can't make it. He said, we'll have to fake it. We knew he'd come eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who are they going to get? Yeah. I, I'm not sure who the replacement I mean, yeah, look, is. When you're, when your band is 80. Yeah. You always have to have a backup at every I would, position. I would think, yeah. You know, you, you got to have depth. Yeah. You, yeah. You, just, you just can't put Javi Guerra out there. You got to have a good backup at every position. Yeah. Klobotsis is not drumming. 
<laughs> By the way, do you, I watched that last night. I wrote, both. I wrote to Michael and Chris, and I wrote to Chuck Todd. I feel like a drug addict. Why am I watching this game? Why am I watching <laughs> and play Miami? How does run make you feel? You know, that made me feel great. You throw the barrel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just wonderful. Lined it out, golfed it out. Less, I, anyway, so... So I wanted to say all those things. So it, what are you looking at? Your oh, notes? I, I was no, I was looking to see who the replacement drummer is Do they have for the Rolling Stones. I haven't found that yet. I just saw the headline. Um, um, it's Steve Jordan. Oh, Steve Jordan, who yep. I don't know, not familiar with him. I know Michael Jordan. They should. They couldn't get Michael Jordan. MJ would have been fantastic. I wouldn't even have to drum. You just stand <laughs> up there. I'm Michael right. Jordan. No. I'm six and zero in the finals. What are you? <laughs> This is uh, breaking news. Probably has more impact on me than it does you. Although for PTI, Serena has withdrawn from the U.S. Open, citing a hamstring. It's over. Yes, uh, she. Will, she's never going to win again. She's not going to win another major, and, and like, she doesn't need to. She no, doesn't need to. I every every time she goes out, I sit there and I go, she's not going to win another one. It's over. Yeah. And Wilbon says, I don't know. I think she could. No, she can't. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Who's first? Is Pat Forty first? Pat Forty gonna, first. It's gonna, this is so rare. We're going to talk about to Pat Forty, not about his daughter <laughs> and not about swimming. You know, we're going to do that. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new ad for us. This is called Stamps.com, and it wants me to ad lib and talk about the things in my life returning to some normalcy that <laughs> they haven't in my life. I don't do that. No. With stamps.com, you can skip trips to the post office and save on postage. Michael, I know, liked this ad. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Stamps.com brings the same U.S. postal and UPS shipping services right to your computer. They make it easy for small businesses to mail and ship without needing to take a trip to the post office. Print official U.S. postage and shipping labels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is your computer and a standard printer. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. It's a no-brainer. It saves nearly one million small businesses owners like you. And uh, not me, because I don't own a small, I actually do own a small business. Sure. The podcast business. But I don't send a lot of mail to people. But it'll save you time and money. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with the promo code TONY, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's good. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TONY. That's stamps.com, promo code Tony. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And by the way, use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This music is sent to us from Mike Montali from the rock band Hollis Brown. The band is playing the Rams head on stage on August 27th. That's in a couple of days, right? That's just in a couple of days. Yeah. And I wanted to reach out directly to you because people in the scene have told us how important you are when it comes to spreading the word for things to do in the Annapolis, Baltimore area. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not. I don't spread the scene. I can barely spread butter on bread. I'm too old to do anything. But we'll announce you, you know, you've got a great band. I mean, it's called Hollis Brown. They're going to be at the Rams' head on August 27th. And this is a song called Wait For Me, Virginia. And it plays in Pat Forty. And for the first time in a long time, we're going to talk to Pat Forty about something other than swimming. Although it is very possible we are going to mention his daughter, Brooke, later in this thing. But not right now. Because we're going to start with something that I think is ludicrous. This is this alliance among the Big Ten the Pac-12, and the ACC. This is clearly meant to counter the SEC getting Texas and Oklahoma and establishing itself as not just the best football conference in the country, but the only one anybody really cares to watch. So let me start with, and so you've had to pay attention to this, what is the alliance, and I think importantly, why isn't it signed by the people who put it together? Yeah, the, the alliance is, is very vague. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. it, it is three conferences that say that they will schedule each other more often uh, and 
really what they will do, as you as you alluded to, is try to stop the SEC and ESPN from getting everything they want. Uh, they will likely vote uh, together in terms of what the play, future playoff will look like, uh, and they will push very hard for the future of the playoff to be more than just an ESPN production. They want Fox and or NBC and or CBS, some other broadcast entity involved because the ESPN has, has anointed the SEC with most favored nation status. And, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, this is basically them trying to come up with ways to appear proactive and slow down uh, one league from just completely dominating the entire landscape of college athletics. Okay, so let me get to what I considered an important point that was made yesterday as the commissioners of these leagues said, we didn't sign this thing because we don't need to sign anything. This signing doesn't mean anything. Trust is what's important. And I went on the PTI show and I said, this is when people say, we got married in the eyes of God. We love each other. And then they break up and they go to a court and they say, we'd like to divide all our stuff. And the judge says, Get out of here. You didn't sign anything. You have no legal standing here. This is junk. Am I wrong about this? I mean, if you're not going to sign for the protection of yourselves, then, then it's, this is just, it's an idea. It's nothing more than I, an idea to me. Please tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, you know, uh, the, the, Car salesman that looks across the desk and says, "Trust us. This is you're not going to get a better deal anywhere else." You know, I mean, when you hear "trust us" in college athletics, the first thing you do is cover your wallet. Uh, I mean, it, it has become you know every league for itself, every man for himself, everybody scrambling for the last dollar. Uh, you know, last year at this time. The SEC was fuming at the Big Ten because the Big Ten broke ranks and decided on their own that they were not going to play football. And the SEC's like, well, I thought we were in this together. This year, the SEC has stuck a shiv in the ribs of the Big 12 and left it bleeding in the alley by taking Texas and Oklahoma. And everybody else is like, well, wait a minute, I thought we were in this together. I mean, nobody's ever in this together. So the fact that there is no signed contracts and that this is – we looked each other in the eye and we trust each other. Uh, that's a big weakness in this thing. The Big 12, as I've liked to say, is spoiled meat. It's <laughs> over. There is no Big 12. Somebody's going to take the three Texas you know, schools that are left for football, and that's it. That's the end of the Big 12. They did it down the drain. They're, the NCAA couldn't save them because the NCAA is down the same drain. But I want to get to the Pac-12, Pat. Because I think the Pac-12 has, I think Larry Scott ran it into the ground. This was a very important conference in football and basketball, and now it is neither. And they just seem to be clinging to the side of the bowl here, hoping for, you know, hoping that the Big Ten will throw them a towel so they can climb out. I mean, if I, I don't, you know, what does the Pac-12 have to offer to anybody? Did you see what they said yesterday? We'll put our games on at 9 a.m., Pacific time, if we can get on TV in the East. They'll do anything. Do they have any standing, Pat? Well, what they, what they have is, yes, they have standing in theory. Uh, unfortunately, it needs to be more than theory. I mean, what they have is massive television markets. They have Los Angeles. They have the yeah. Bay Area. They have Seattle. They have Portland. They have Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, they have Denver. They have Salt Lake City. What they have not done is is capitalize and produce anything that's that's worth hanging your hat on. That you know that's the 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 confounding thing about all this. Tony is most of all college football right now is just operating on theory. I mean, look at the school that blew up the entire map. Texas hasn't done a damn thing since two thousand nine, yet it dictated everything. Yeah. So now the Pac-12 is basically in the same boat. USC hadn't done anything since Pete Carroll, really. Uh, Oregon had a blip. We'll see if they can get it back. Uh, UCLA is a terminal underachiever. Uh, they, they need to produce something on the field that makes them a tangible quantity. I mean, what they have, they have an audience to deliver, but they've got to deliver on the field to, to make that audience actually connect and be interested. 
I think we may have talked about this before. The, the confusing thing to me is the Big Ten. I don't understand why the Big Ten is even talking to the Pac-12 and the ACC. I don't understand it at all. I think the Big Ten should talk to the SEC, and I think they should say, we own college football in America now. Let's make our own deals with whatever networks we want to, and we will provide all of the teams for the college football playoff. And if we're stuck and we have to reach out to Clemson or Notre Dame, well, we'll do that too. But I don't, I don't know why they don't do that. I mean, I think if the SEC just sort of was charming to the Big Ten right now, they would do it. Or am I wrong? Well, no, I mean, I, that's interesting. And I, 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 there is a lot of, I guess, uh, wonderment about why the, the Big Ten isn't necessarily operating from a position of strength here. Part of that could be a, a relatively new commissioner who is feeling his way and it, you know doesn't have the muscle to flex personally. I think that there's a little bit more to it, and I think that I think there's genuine animosity and disdain between the schools in the Big Ten and the SEC, and I don't think okay. they really want to come to the table together. Uh, I think the Big Ten looks down on the SEC from an academic standpoint, yeah. and I do think that the Big Ten is largely driven by presidents, chancellors, and doesn't necessarily look at everything just from a football lens. And so, you know, I think that. They, while it may make sense for those two to tell everybody else, we are running the show, you all get in line behind us, I, I don't think there's much uh, willingness on the part of the Big Ten CEOs to, to say, let's, let's hold hands with the SEC. Well, where do you think this is headed? I mean, what do you think, like five years from now, what do you think this is going to look like, college football in America? Uh, you know, I mean, there's... Plenty of indication that we are heading to a further streamlining and, I guess, giganticizing of the main properties in uh, in in college sports. You know, a, I mean, it could well come to the Big Ten saying we're just going to give more of our revenue to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State because that's who people care about, and we're sorry about that, Indiana and Purdue and Illinois, but that's the way it is. And the SEC could say we've got. Five properties that matter, and Mississippi and Mississippi State, thanks for being around since 1933, but you really don't matter. And the, the Pac-12 could say, you know, USC and UCLA and Stanford and Cal matter more than everybody else. Uh, you know, I, that, that's where the next big decisions have to be made, basically, is these conference uh, makeups that have been in place, Some, you know, going back to the you know, one with the Big Ten, but to the 30s with the SEC and you know, the 40s and 50s with the Pac-12 and the ACC, can they withstand all this, or do the, do the, the ones that the schools that really dictate things do they either break away or say we need more of the pie and you guys need to just follow our lead? I, I think that's the next big step. I would love that. I would love that. Get, get Rutgers out of here as a football team. What are we talking about? I mean, you know, go do what you do and put together 40 great teams so that every single week you watch and you go crazy. I want to shift gears to name, image, and likeness. Um, is your daughter eligible to do that? I mean, like, can yeah. she, I mean, she's going to swim one more year, right? Can she sign yeah. up with somebody and make money? Have you encouraged that, yeah. I hope? She has not signed up with anybody. She's made some money. You know, she's done some, some autograph signings and things like that and uh, right. had products sent to her and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, there's other opportunities. You know, she, she honestly, she's been home for like three weeks, uh, and she just needed to decompress. You know, right. she, I, I, she was not terribly eager to jump into, you know, let's have an agent and do a bunch of stuff like that. She, she did a lot of appearances around town for free because she's a nice person and nicer than I am, uh, huh. you know, that sort of thing. But, but, you know, are there opportunities there? Yeah. And will there be some more probably, you know, for like a year and then that'll be that. So, you know, I hope she at least uh, looks into it and takes advantage of what she can work into her schedule, but she hasn't, uh, tried real hard. I don't think to, to push that needle. If, if I were her dad, I'd be so proud if she did the following thing. If she stood outside a Dairy Queen and she said, hi, I'm Brooke Forty, and I eat at this Dairy Queen, and you should too, and get a bunch of money for that. I think that would be great, me personally. I will get to a serious question, and I think yes. that Nick Saban is right. I do. I think this is going to create tremendous 
friction and jealousy and animosity on teams. I do. I don't think that's avoidable on any level. And I think it's going to lead to wholesale transfers all over the place as people chase money. Uh, do you agree with that? Is there anything in place to stop that? Well, uh, here's the counterpoint that I think that to that it is I, my daughter is part and my sons were part of a sport where there was not equal compensation in terms of a scholarship. Some people got a full ride. Some people That's got right. a half a ride. Some people got mm-hmm. books. Some people were walk-ons. None of the athletes cared. Nobody sat there in the locker room, the swimming locker room, and said, ah, you know what, screw that guy. He's on a full ride, but he isn't working that hard. I'm over here killing myself for a 30% scholarship. That, so they weren't keeping score. The parents might have been, to a degree. And the, the, the one difference to which I'll acknowledge uh, Nick Saban and yourself there is – Football and basketball players are just basically enculturated yeah. to be commoditized at a younger age. You know, they are 100%. looked at and enculturated as money makers. So that that could be there. They may be keeping score more than in non-revenue sports. Um, but I, I'm not convinced. I see uh, whether this is really going to be a, a, a device, divisive issue uh, before I necessarily believe it. Okie dokie. Thanks, Pat, as always. Appreciate it. It's real sports again. My pleasure. We're happy. Okay. Pat <laughs> 40, you. boys and girls. Uh, we will come back. We will come back with Steve Sands. Sansy. Yeah, that's Sansy, right. Sansy, who is, is, do we think he's in Baltimore already? I have to imagine he is. I have to think he's in Baltimore for the BMW. We're, we're working the cheese counter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's at Calvin Woodley today. Yeah. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. We turn it over to Nigel because Nigel has bought three Indochino suits and is happy with them. Yes, very happy. I love the way I look and feel in these suits. It's tailored to my specific dimensions. How did I get those measurements? Uh-huh. Famously with a piece of rope and a yardstick. But it's tailored to, so it fits me like a glove. It's going to fit you perfectly. You can actually go to a tailor and do that. And then you can design the suit any way you want. The lapels, you want monograms, you want a union jack on the inside of your, your yeah. jacket. You know, whatever you want, you can sort of do that. And it's very affordable. It comes to you very quickly, and you're going to feel like a champion when you walk around in a suit. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Every piece is made to your exact measurements. As Nigel said, you can customize every detail. You can choose everything about your suit from the fabric you want, the size of the lapel, monogramming, statement linings, the Union Jack inside. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. And the best part is that Indochino suits start at just $399 with all of these customizations included. Indochino is now open at select Nordstrom stores, giving you even more ways to get great fitting. So, I mean, you can go there, and they can measure you. You don't have to stand there with a yardstick. (laughs) And you get personalized clothing. Find your nearest location at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code TONYK at the checkout. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at INDO. C-H-I-N-O dot com, Indochino dot com. The promo code is Tony K. Don't be a dope. Use the promo code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Hollis Brown. They're going to be appearing at Ram's Head on stage at August 27th. This is called She Don't Love Me Now. And let me just read you what Rolling Stone said about this band. About their last album, possessed by the same blue-collar rock and roll spirit that haunts fellow Northeasterner Bruce Springsteen, Hollis Brown gets sinewy and sinister with a dark driving do me right. This is the soundtrack for a late-night drive to the American heartland. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that would I, I would put that on an amulet and wear it around my neck <laughs> if I got praise that sounded anything like that. The band is called Hollis Brown. This is called She Don't Love Me Now. Michael, if people want to send in their original music like Hollis Brown, how do they do it? E- email us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Our friend Steve Sands is with us now, and we have some obvious questions. One, uh, are, you, are you now physically in Baltimore? Are you at Caves Valley where the BMW will start tomorrow? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. And did you work the cheese counter <laughs> yesterday at at Calvert Woodley? Did you go to La Cheeserie? Did not. Did not. Uh, I'm not allowed to work the cheese counter because why? When I when I was a kid, I may or may not have, have 
taken a pepper shooter out of the refrigerated section of the cheese section one time, and and old man Ed Sands didn't appreciate that. So I was always a guy who stocked shelves or delivered to Mrs. Havacamp down the street of Van Ness who couldn't make it in the snow. Uh, but I was always a band from the cheese counter. It would be so great if we could advertise for one day only. Steve Sands <laughs> cutting cheese at La Cheeserie. That would be great. You, we would love that. As, love as that. many times, as many times, it doesn't matter whether it's in Tokyo where it did happen, uh, but it doesn't matter where I am. When someone yells that, it makes me smile so much. It's a, it's amazing. I've said this to you before. Your reach is beyond belief. <laughs> the loyalty of the Littles is incredible. Had a couple of them yesterday. I was in a restaurant last night, and someone yelled about cheesery in Baltimore. It's great. It's amazing. It's absolutely great. By the way, do you know our friend Steve Fader, who runs Caves Valley and who, and who has you know got his imprint on everything that you can do if you're not with the tour while, you have, while you're hosting an event? Do you know Fader? So it was at an event on Monday night for the Evans Scholars uh, with our good right. friend Gary Williams and a bunch of people were there for the University of Maryland. And Steve Fader got up and spoke. He came back over to where I was sitting with Gary, and we sat there and chatted for like five minutes. And then That's last great. night, and then last night, I'm at the pro am uh, draw party down at the Pendry Hotel downtown, uh, Baltimore. Really cool spot. And he comes over, says hello, and I said to him. I was joking. I said to him, yeah, hi, Steve. We met last night. We spoke for about five minutes. He looked, he goes, really? <laughs> it was great. It was, it was so great. Anytime you ever think that you're a big deal, it's just so funny when someone says that. Uh, and not that I think I'm a big deal, but uh, Steve's a great guy. Uh, and, man, does he love Caves Valley. Uh, the people at yes. Caves Valley, Tony, they have this pride in their membership and their club and their golf course. Like no other club I think I've ever been around. They love, love, love Caves Valley. So if you get a, a chance, great, say a hi for guy. me and Michael. Say, Michael and I played with him and, and you will know this name, Buddy Marucci last month. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we all buddy, played at Caves. Saw buddy, last night, saw buddy last night also. So yeah. make sure you say hi for us. There, Caves Valley, Tony. Yes, 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 yes. Um, also, make sure to get the hot dog. The, the split top dog, um, unbelievable. It's really good. They have really? great food at Caves Valley. Yeah, no, they have great really? food. It's a great experience wow. to go. Cal Ripken, wow, okay. a member at Caves Valley. Brooks Robinson, yeah. a member at Caves Valley. Um, let me there. go backwards. Cal's going to be here today. Cal's going to be Cal here today. A, it was his birthday yesterday. 61, I believe, Cal really? Ripken. You should, and you should also say hi from me to Cal Ripken. You should do that. Wow. Uh, let me go backwards. Did you think they would finish the Northern Trust on Monday? And if they couldn't have, was there a contingency plan? Yes. They were going to, I'll answer the second one uh, first. They were going to play 72 holes regardless. The forecast yesterday on Tuesday in the New York area was perfectly fine. Uh, so they knew they were going to finish on Tuesday. And the commissioner, Jay Monahan, said this is a FedEx Cup playoff event. We are not shortening it to 54 holes, no matter what the scenario is. He put out a notice to the players and said, we are playing 72 holes regardless uh, of it going to Tuesday. Uh, the other part was, the only reason I thought it was going to finish on Monday is because I was texting a couple of guys uh, on the CBS crew, and I was like, is this going to happen? Like, you know, for those of us who don't have real jobs and are just kind of hanging out watching golf on a Monday, this is fantastic. I said, but man, this thing is going to spill on a Tuesday if that storm comes close. And yeah. they almost got pinched by that second little storm that went through New York. Uh, but luckily, it stayed far enough away where the lightning wasn't an issue. But that was the only reason I thought it was going to end on Monday. And thank goodness it did. It's much better for Caves Valley, much better for this week and last week if a tournament ends on Monday. When it spills on a Tuesday, things get really, really messy. So this is exactly what I had written down, and because I know Steve Fader and because I've played Caves a lot and love Caves, I wondered how the BMW people and the Caves Valley people felt about the possibility that their week would really get squeezed because yeah. the Northern Trust would be postponed all the way into Tuesday. Was there nervousness? 
Yeah, there was, and I'll tell you the biggest part of that, Tony, is so each tournament uh, on the PGA Tour has uh, either one or two or many more uh, charities that the money that's raised uh, gets funneled to. This week, all the proceeds go to what's called the Evan Scholars Foundation. The Evan Scholars Program is a caddy program that sends yeah. underprivileged kids not only to caddy at places like Caves Valley and Baltimore Country Club or wherever uh, you are in the nation. They then send them to college, um, those kids, and they go on to do great things. So all that money uh, that's raised on a Wednesday during a pro-am would have been washed away if the PGA Tour wouldn't have been able to finish on Monday. They, they notified the BMW championship folks, John Kaskowski, Vince Pellegrino, probably Steve Fader, all the people at Caves, that if Monday wasn't the day where the Northern Trust would be completed and it had to spill into Tuesday, that they would not have been able to have their pro-am today. And the pro-am today, Tony, raises seven figures. I mean, well into seven figures for the Evans Scholars Foundation. So it was a very big deal financially and also for the good folks at Caves Valley to show off their golf course to the best players in the world in a fair setting to let them practice a couple of days before the tournament uh, tees off on Thursday uh, for that event last week to end on Monday, and thankfully it did. So we're down now to the 70 highest scoring people in the entire PGA Tour over the course of this past year. Are those people playing in a pro-am? They're going to do that? Wow. The the, the people, you know, look, pro-ams are where tournaments raise the most money. Um, And they've been telling the tour, begging the tour, you know, tweaking the tour that they've wanted to have a pro-am at this event for years. Uh, and they finally relented, and they're having one this week. And by the way, it's only 69 guys, not 70, because of Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. Yes, I wanted to ask about that. With pneumonia, double, both lungs. Double pneumonia. I mean, I don't even know yeah. what double pneumonia is. I don't, I don't even heard of pneumonia. And uh, Patrick seems to be doing better. Uh, it seems like his health is going to you know, come around. But only 69 guys here this week, not 70, because Patrick Reed isn't feeling uh, 100%. By the way, when you 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 now in this tournament, again, these are the top seventy guys. The last man right. is Phil Mickelson at seventy. They then cut to thirty for yep. the championship at Eastlake. What chance do you have if you're if you're beyond forty five right now? What chance do you have of getting into the top thirty? I was talking to somebody last night who's in the mid thirties, uh, and he had to finish top six to advance next week. So it's, it's heavily weighted for the guys who have had the better season. So if you're in the top 30 right now, that means you had a, a much better season than most. And you should have the advantage. Golf is different than football and basketball and baseball and hockey, but it's just kind of one and done kind of thing. Well, football especially. The other sports, they have to be, you know, for you know, five or seven game series. But if you are outside the top 38, 39, 40, you've got to win this week to advance next week. So you're heavily weighted if you uh, had a much better regular season. Uh, Not even if you had a great week last week, but last week would have helped. But, you know, if you're 36, 38 or below, Tony, you better win or else your season's over this week. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. I I can't endorse and don't like at all the fact that they then go with the top 30 and there's all these gimmicks as to who will win to me if it's the top 30 after all year the guy who wins wins that's all justin rose doesn't win by making a bogey on 18 and you know and finishing four under way back in the pack like happened a couple of years i just think it's wrong i don't understand why they do it this way do you you must understand it no i i understand why they uh, change it to this format. I just don't love it. Uh, I, I think oh, that I'm with I you. I, I think sports is sports. Look, when the Patriots went undefeated, the Giants had one shot to beat them, and they did. And they won the them. title, and nobody's taking that title away from the Giants. And nobody's poo-pooing what the Patriots did all season long. It's just sports. And to me, if you make the top 30 after this week, after a long PGA Tour season, after a grueling year, and you get to Eastlake, why should you start 10 shots back just because mm. you 
are the last guy in. I think if you're a wild card team and you can go on the road for three games, get to the Super Bowl and have a shot at the undefeated Patriots like the Giants did that year, or any other you know wild card team. Look, the, the Buccaneers were a wild card team last year, right? With Brady, yes, and they come yes. to Washington. Yeah, so I mean, there are inherent disadvantages uh, in sports. And if you make it to East Lake next week, I'm with you, Tony. It's not that I hate the system. I just think it's goofy. And I think that, yeah, sure, you had an advantage all year long up until this particular week to get into next week's final with 30 guys. But once you get there next week and you're one of the top 30, start at scratch and the best man wins. And if you get a great winner in your estimation, fine. But if you get somebody who comes off the board – Hey, they earned their way to East Lake as well. Exactly. So I think the tour championship should be that way. I, I'm with you. Totally agree with that. Um, happy that Tony Finau finally won a tournament. I think he's a popular yeah. guy on the tour. Other people are happy by the same token. Cam Smith, he literally put the drive in the Hudson River. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, wow. What did you think of that? I, I'm always amazed. There's a line that, when I got hired by NBC in 2011, Roger Malpe, who won multiple times on the PGA Tour, has been on NBC Golf for years, literally his whole life has been in golf, said to me a phrase I'll never forget, golf is only hard when you care. And it doesn't matter what level you're at. You're trying to break 80 for the first time, 90 for the first time, 100 for the first time. You're trying to win in a playoff on the PGA Tour. doesn't matter when it is. But when that moment arrives where the pressure is at its highest, that to me is the essence of sports, no matter what the level is. If it's just us playing in Columbia, you know, messing around for lunch, or if it's a PGA Tour playoff, Cam Smith can play, Tony. 5-0 and in playoffs in his career going into that playoff on Monday with Tony Finau. A tremendous talent. That was a horrific golf shot. Whoa. A horrific golf shot. And you can't rinse that golf shot, and not at that level, but he did. And you can only say that it was because of the pressure of the moment. And then there's Tony Finau, who is the nicest guy you've ever met in your life, Tony, and he probably doesn't win as often because he doesn't have that that extra gear to get away from his niceness and buckle down and just try to be an assassin out there uh, to try to finish a tournament. So here's Tony the beneficiary of great play on his own and also the, the unfortunate shot from Cam Smith there uh, putting it in the water. But, you know, Tony Fino had to win that, Tony. That was a massive win for him. Everybody knows how talented he is. Everybody loves him because he's such a wonderful guy. But you've got to win in professional sports. You have to cross the finish line, not just get there, but cross it. And he did once in Puerto Rico, but this win in a FedEx Cup playoff event, in a playoff against a world-class player like Cam Smith, Tony needed that victory. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays this week uh, coming off of that win because that was a huge weight lifted off his shoulders to get that second win, finally that second win in his career. Totally agree. Totally agree. Enjoy yourself at Caves. We recommend, the show recommends that people go. Go to the BMW. Yeah, go. go. Say say hello to Steve Fader. You know, <laughs> say hello. Yeah, it's beautiful. Caves is Caves is great. Caves is just great. Thank you, Steve. Talk to you. Caves, Caves is great. One last thing. Holly, Holly McClure and Joe Martin, I saw them in the hotel lobby a couple days ago, and they said, is Tony coming out? And I said, mm. no, mm. he only leaves the beltway to play, not watch <laughs> yes. golf at the highest uh, level. Yeah. He and I love caves. No, I do love caves. I do. And I recommend it is, and that it's a everybody great, it's a great spot. go. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Steve Sands, boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. As you prep for back to school season, slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list. Somewhere between buying a protractor and some number two pencils. 
Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer's almost over. Responsibility is about to rear its head. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why should you compare? Well, you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300. It's a lot of money, kids, or more per year, per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance company, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. Just go to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com. Get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's mailbag got your email factors and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad, please? Yes, Bethesda bagels. We love them. You will as well. We got the bagels today. Got the bagel sandwiches the other day. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com, the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. So that's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and Nigel did this last night, and I didn't even know when I referenced Get Off My Cloud in the beginning of the show, because it's... It's a drum-driven Rolling Stones song, and these are lyrics from it. I live in an apartment on the 99th floor of my block. I sit at home looking out the window, imagine the world has stopped. Then flies a guy who's all dressed up like a Union Jack and says, I've won five pounds if I have his kind of detergent pack. And I say, hey, you, get off of my cloud. <laughs> thanks today to our guest, Steve Sands, Pat Forty. Thanks to today's sponsor, Stamps.com, Indochino, Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So let's go into the mailbag here. This is from Kevin Korn in Baltimore, Maryland. I had just returned from a wedding in Chicago in July, and on my drive home, I was behind a Subaru. Not just any Subaru, but a Subaru Outback LL Bean edition. Ooh. The vehicle oozed with pretentiousness. My <laughs> whole drive home entry. had me <laughs> contemplating what did this special edition Subaru offer? Did it come with a quick dry khaki pant? Did the seats come with a zip off upholstery, or did Subaru adopt the LL Bean return policy where if you were dissatisfied with the car, you could return it and get yourself yet another Subaru? This bothered me so much, I had to look it up and write to you a whole month later after some quick research. The LL Bean branding was just a marketing ploy to make this particular Subaru a luxury model. Luxury? What marketing executive thought of L.L. Bean as luxury? Why not Gucci or Prada or even other fashionable outdoor brands of Columbia or Patagonia? Ah, this just makes me hate Subaru even more. Please tell Michael that the roof rack was a Dakin roof rack, Dakin, and I not a Thul or a Tool. Totally. I don't know how to pronounce They must it. not have checked out the new L.L. Bean bedding catalog that arrived the other day. I've dog-eared a few selections. <laughs> For bedding? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, from Michael McGillivray, um, who writes... Second time, long time. I will tell you I'm both a little and a car man. I have numerous concerns spread across Maritime Canada. I have many dealerships flowing at many thousands of cars per year. I like to think of myself as a car man. And as a car man, I hope you'll forgive just good old-fashioned plain speaking. Now, this work that we do is very much a family enterprise. I work side by side with my wonderful brother and father, David and Ron. And delightfully, we must decline the opportunity to request the title of official car dealer of the Tony Kornheiser Show, as we recently acquired the Subaru dealership in the city of St. John. So, mm. St. John, is that's in New Brunswick, is it not? St. John, am I wrong about that? Uh, Maybe it's in Newfoundland. That. Newfoundland, I think. And yes. yes, our wives' new Subaru accents are on order and will be built once we find a few semiconductors for them, because we care about my families more than you. The unofficial dealer of the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's a very lovely email. Yeah, Newfoundland. Yes. Okay, Newfoundland. From uh, Evan Aldifer in the Navy Yard in D.C. On Tuesday's show, this is last week's, you read an email from Jason Masapust, 
who wrote that he'll be traveling to Graysonville and looking for beer and food recommendations. Yes, remember that, Michael? You were going to help with that. In Rehoboth in D.C., as a stereotypical mid-20s craft beer drinker who grew up in Oxford, Maryland, on the Eastern Shore, spent my summers in Ocean City and now lives in D.C., I feel I'm especially qualified to provide some suggestions. Good! My favorite brewery in Rehoboth is Thompson Island Brewery which is a relatively new spot right off Route 1. It's owned by a local restaurant group called Sodell Concepts, and that's where, um, who's the, the, the great pastry chef, Elizabeth's great friend? Drew? Drew, that's where he works, Sodell Concepts, who have many excellent restaurants. Their food is the best I've seen at a brewery, and if you go, definitely try their flagship IPA. Rehoboth also isn't too far from the original Dogfish Brewery in Milton, which is definitely worth a visit. Finally, there's Big Oyster Brewing in Lewis, which is an under-the-radar option. As for D.C., my favorite spots are Other Half in Ivy City, Red Bear in Noma, not Nomar, but Noma, <laughs> and Atlas Nomar. in the Navy Yard. Nomar. As a former Arlington resident, I think the breweries in Virginia are better than the ones in D.C., but I'm sure Michael will have other thoughts. Finally, you made a great choice to visit Assateague. It's a perfect spot to get away from crowds and catch some waves if you're into that, as I know you are, Mr. Tony. If you're going on a weekend, make sure you get there early, as lines can get long in peak season. Unlike what Nigel said, I wouldn't recommend eating with the ponies, but definitely stop into Assateague's oh. Surf Shop on Route 611 for the best frozen coffee you'll ever have. P.S. Does this email qualify as my application to be the official craft beer connoisseur of the TK Show? Sure. I'll take my answer off air. Eat it, Michael. Wow. I think Mike, Mike from Burke, Virginia might have some words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Lucy in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a Bethesda native, so I've had several David Aldrich moments over the years, but never felt compelled to write in about them. My first moment came when Tori mentioned her daughter, with whom I rode horses in high school at Rokeby Farm. That one is unoriginal, though, because Tori's a regular on the show, and her family's often brought up. There was the time you talked about your dermatologist, Dr. Andy Mont Montemorano. Yeah, I mean, he's, I'm seeing him today. I dated his son once upon a time, but I decided a one-month middle school relationship that ended over text wasn't much to write in about. A true love. It was only when Will Bond brought up his previous neighbors, Hans and Sabrina Weger, did I finally say out loud, I know that guy. As do I, I had parenthetically. My childhood friend lived across the street from the Weggers, and we used to play basketball with their kids, hide-and-go-seek in their ginormous house, watch the latest episode of Pretty Little Liars in the movie theater, even though they only had sons, and of course go to Wilbon's house around the corner at Halloween to trick-or-treat. When they sold their house in Bethesda, the poor family that bought the house never stood a chance because to us, that house belonged to Miss Sabrina and Mr. Hans, and it would never be the same. Thank you to everyone on the show who continues to connect me with childhood memories while I am in a new chapter of my life away from home. From Mike McEnany in Dunkirk, Maryland. You think your induction into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame and your inclusion on the D.C. Sports Wall of Fame make you special, huh? While achieving the status of Dr. Hoff Waff is admirable, it pales in, to compa in comparison to the unique feat of Mr. David Hasselhoff of Knight Rider and Baywatch. <laughs> David Hasselhoff is in the Lyons Township, Illinois High School Hall of Fame. He also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So the Hoff is a Hoff Waff. He's a Hoff Hoff Waff. <laughs> he's also huge in Germany. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. <laughs> Tremendous. Let's do one more. Kirk Meyer. Kirk in Omaha. Dear Tony, I was happy to hear you recall my email on Monday's show regarding Yankton, South Dakota, and Lyle Alzado attending Yankton College. In 1984, Yankton College closed and is now a federal minimum security prison. Oh, cities but remains prison. mainly unchanged from when it was an educational institution. <laughs> Yankton is also famous for being the site of the first federal execution in the Dakota Territories, as it was the capital before it broke up into two separate states in 1889. The execution took place in 1877, and it was the hanging of broken-nosed Jack McCall who shot and killed Wild Bill Hickok in Deadwood as he held his dead man's hand of aces and eights. McCall was buried with the noose still around his neck in an unmarked grave. On a personal note, Yankton is now home to my alma mater, Mount Marty University, where I studied and majored in history. I'd be honored to be considered as the official Yankton historian of the Tony Kornheiser show. Either way, I love the show. That's brilliant. If you're out on your bike today... Or not today, if you're out tonight. And by the way, we're only about three days removed from a full moon. Yeah. So the moon is still very nice. If you're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as the Rolling Stones would say, do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite.
old Sick of the bars, I'm sick of the show Doing my best, yeah, I'm doing good I got 